Looking for a special gift for that fag in your life? Whoa, 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 whoa. Get that friend of Armstrong and Getty some A&G merch. Oh. New for 19, our latest A&G logo tees, hoodies, and more. The Punch Violence in the Face t-shirt or the Castigat Redendo Mores tee is available. The Yo, Yo, Yo and the updated Stupid Should Hurt tee. The new Cal Unicornia state flag tee. We even brought back our classic A&G ketchup and mustard logo. Buy them now at the Armstrong and Getty Superstore. Find it at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Ted Cruz was on the uh, was on a panel in the Senate. I, technology. I, I'm not even sure what panel it was, but he was uh, talking to a professor, um, and uh, who studies uh, tech and searches and and how it influences opinion and votes. And it's interesting. Ted has adopted or has moved back into a much more reasonable, curious likable guy thing. He he went with, like, bomb-chucking and obnoxious for a while. Well, he was running for president. Yeah. Or, 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 I think he, he, that's off the table now. I wonder that. if the Bateau thing humbled him a little bit, too. Or you're a senator. You win. You got six years. You don't have to... You don't have to be in the bomb-chucking game. Yeah, yeah. Donald but, uh, Trump may be a rat, but I have no desire to copulate with him. Uh, good, good times and a brilliant line. Uh, but anyway, here he is. Uh, awesome. Do we have the name of this professor? I, I left the, the, the fact sheet I had in, in the office like an idiot, but we'll, we'll get it for you. Um, but let's listen in for a minute. Same approach at Google. Um, Dr. Epstein, I, I found your testimony incredibly powerful and incredibly concerning. And, and if anyone draws news out of this hearing, I would encourage you to review very carefully Dr. Epstein's testimony. And I'd like to take a moment to make clear several things. First of all, as I understand your background, uh, you're not a Republican, and, and, and nor are you a conservative. Is that accurate? <clears throat> that would be an understatement. <laughs> um, and, in, and indeed, you're the former editor-in-chief of Psychology Today. Correct. So you're a respected academic. You testified before this committee that Google's manipulation of votes gave at least 2.6 million additional votes to Hillary Clinton in the year 2016. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, we got to stop and, it there. And, okay, let, let that sink in, everybody. Yeah. Do you realize what you just heard? What does he mean by manipulation what of votes? What was that number? Well, we're we're going to hear that. more, but we do hear that number. Yeah. 2.6 million. Wow. Okay. Hmm. That's correct. And, and I want to make sure I understand. You personally supported and voted for Hillary Clinton. I was a very strong public supporter of Hillary Clinton, yes. So you're not dis dismayed that people voted for her, but your testimony is that Google is through bias in search results, manipulating voters in a way they're not aware of? On a massive scale. And what I'm saying is that I believe in democracy, I believe in the free and fair election, uh, more than I have any kind of allegiance to a candidate or a party. And, and looking forward, if I understood your testimony correctly, you said in subsequent elections, Google and Facebook and Twitter and big text manipulation could manipulate as many as 15 million votes in a subsequent election? In 2020, if all these companies are supporting the same candidate, there are 15 million votes on the line that can be shifted without people's knowledge and without leaving a paper trail for authorities to trace. Okay, hold now, on right there. So the, the, this guy, one thing I really liked about this guy when I watched it was 
he clearly is playing the long game for democracy. Because even if you're thinking, I don't care, Google's on my side, it's not always going to be that way, that that whatever tech company can manipulate votes is going to be on your side. Right. And it could work against you as easily as it could work for you. It's the same with the Russian interference thing. Interference thing, it's not always going to help your side. As we said many times during the Obama administration, be careful giving the president kingly powers because you might not like the next guy. And we'll say it to Republicans right now. Uh, Robert Epstein is, um, I'll get his, his, where he works and the rest of it, but uh, that's his name. Anyway, rolling along. For authorities to trace. Now, now you described the go vote reminder and you said it wasn't a public service announcement, but rather manipulation. Can you explain how? I'm not sure everyone followed the details of that. Well, sure. Um, if on Election Day in 2016, if Mark Zuckerberg, for example, had chosen to send out a go vote reminder, say, just to Democrats, and no one would have known if he had done this, that would have given that day an additional at least 450,000 votes to Democrats. And we know this without doubt because of Facebook's own published data, because they did an experiment that they didn't tell anyone about during the 2010 election. They published it in 2012 it had 60 million Facebook users involved. They sent out a go vote reminder and they got something like 360,000 more people to get off their sofas and go vote who otherwise would have stayed home. The point is, I don't think that Mr. Zuckerberg sent out that reminder uh, in 2016. I think he was overconfident. I think Google, Google was overconfident. They, all these companies were. Uh, I don't think he sent that out. Without monitoring systems in place, we'll never know what these companies are doing. But the point is, in 2018, I'm sure they were more aggressive. We have lots of data to support that. And in 2020, you can bet that all of these companies are going to go all out. And the methods that they're using are invisible. They're subliminal. They're more powerful than most any effects I've ever seen in the behavioral sciences, and I've been in the behavioral sciences for almost 40 years. You know, our Democratic colleagues on this committee often talk about what they view as the pernicious effect of big money and big corporate dollars. Uh, What you are testifying to is that a handful of Silicon Valley billionaires and giant corporations are able to spend millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars collectively, massively influencing the results of elections and there's no accountability you said we don't know we have no way of knowing if google or facebook or twitter sends it sends its democrats or republicans or how they bias it because it's a black box with 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 no transparency or accountability whatsoever am i understanding you correctly senator with respect i must correct you please if mark zuckerberg chooses to send out a go vote reminder just to democrats on election day that doesn't cost him a dime. Can you pause that, Sean? Um, so, listen, I uh, I hear some of you thinking, I'm thinking like uh, like crazy about the, that testimony by Robert Epstein. He's a Ph.D. with the American Institute for Behavioral Research and Technology. He went to Harvard, the rest of it. He's well-respected. He's a frequent commentator on uh, NPR and all sorts of uh, liberal networks. Uh, but my mind is a-whirling. First of all, that is enormous power in a few hands. You could make the argument few is in like two people. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly you could uh, put them all in a minivan and and take them to Cupertino. Um, 
On the other hand, if all they're doing is as they're private citizens, they're not government officials. They're using their company to say, hey, go vote today. Don't forget today's election day and only targeting Democrats. I don't, there's nothing illegal about that. Is there anything immoral about that? I, I'm, I absolutely think people ought to know what they're dealing with and what these companies are. Um, I think no and no there. Illegal and immoral. No and no. Yeah, but shocking and amazing. And how comfortable are you with that sort of power resting in a, a very few people's hands? Um, the go vote thing, I can understand. Without anybody having any idea that they're doing it or have any record of it having been done. All right. The, the, if you're skeptical as to whether that go vote would work as well as this guy says or Facebook agrees, gets back to the conversation we were having earlier about how you can absolutely know it's your wife's birthday and then space it off on that day. This is for those people. Facebook saying, hey, it's election day. Oh, yeah, right. Well, and which one of us, man, woman, young, old, black, white, other, um, hasn't had a friend or a spouse say, oh, come on. And you say, all right. Sometimes, hey, let's go vote. Remember to vote. It's important. Go vote today. It only take a couple Boy, minutes. So it's enough to get a lot of people off the couch. And this guy's one of the foremost researchers in the field in the world. And a Hillary supporter and a, and a lefty and right. uh, and all that. But he he's worried about it for the for the long haul because yeah, he, the 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 other side will will uh, will eventually uh, get it too. Sure, if um, you can slog your way through Ayn Rand, you can easily picture some. You know, big evil person of, of, of some political bent you hate getting control of these corporations and, and, and doing something you would hate with them. Boy, that's really interesting. So he thinks he does, there's no way to know if they did it or not in 2016, but he doesn't think they did only because everybody knew Hillary was going to win so easily. There was right. no, there was no point in worrying about it, but that's, that's, those days are gone. Nobody will ever feel that way again. Right. No, matter, imagine, who's, no matter who's ahead by how much. Targeting a, a certain number of districts in a certain number of swing states, the, the effect that could have. Cause remember, you don't have to paint the entire country. You just sure. have to flip districts. Yeah. You'd be no need to, although it costs him nothing and takes very little, just a couple of keystrokes. Yeah. But he doesn't need to hit, um, New York and California with get out and vote. They're going to go out and vote and the Democrats going to win. Right. But yeah. you deal with Ohio and Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin and those places, Florida. You know, feel free to text. Here's the text number. You should have it in your phone in case someday you want to. 415-295-KFTC. No, we don't have one of those fancy five-digit ones for some reason. Again, because we're stupid. 415-295-KFTC or email mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Um, Unplug if, the internet. That's my, uh, that's my cause. If you are against huge corporate dollars in politics, how can you be in favor of wielding this sort of corporate power in politics. Oh, absolutely. Because, hey, I, the, the, like the Koch brothers, ooh, scary, the right. Koch brothers. Bernie or Elizabeth Warren, any of the people that are on the debate stage regularly, Citizens United has ruined, okay, right. maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. How about this thing? How about this I thing? Mean, ah, Warren is, ah. Let me finish my point, please. Okay. The Koch brothers use money to achieve precisely what Mark Zuckerberg can do for free. And you don't mind the money. Surely you don't mind radio stations getting ad revenue. Um, you mind the effect they're having. So you have to hate this if you're a lefty who's been screaming about money in politics. Well, and the, and the computer thing would be way more effective. 
Oh, but the Koch brothers, and again, you can't please. target people with the money the same way. No, it's wildly inefficient compared to what Google can do with manipulated search results and Facebook and the rest of them. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Uh, good. I need a little advice here. Um, I showed up yesterday, and there's a package on my door, and it's to the person that lived maybe a year or two ago in, where I now live. But it's a children's bicycle. Oh, right. wow. So they have the wrong address. But who, I, would be send, who, would, who would be close enough to a family to send the kid a bicycle but not know they don't live there uh, anymore? I'll bet they ordered it and accidentally didn't change their default address. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it came, mm-hmm. I know where it came from, and so I was in. So how's it, it ride? I haven't opened it. Did you take it over to any sweet jumps? <laughs> yeah. Did you put on your short pants and go for a ride? No, but my girlfriend doesn't want me to do it. She's all, I think this is a scam of some sort. Somebody, I don't want to get involved. And I'm thinking, no, this isn't a scam. Or I there's think a it's... six-year-old really right. crying hard because they didn't Wondering get their bicycle for, their their bike. For, their bu- for their birthday. Right, birthday. Right. So I'm going to take it to the store, and I, I'm going to take my chances, you know? Why don't you just You're gonna get physically there and... take it to the store? Yeah. You can just return to sender, right? I, I guess I could. But I was going to take a I, bike. Well, do you do you, so? Do you have the name of? Do you know the people that used to live there or not? No, I don't. No, okay, I just know the name. I recognize the name. So gotcha. I think I'll just load it up in the car and drop it off to the store, the physical store, and say, "Hey, this showed up. This is the wrong address." Can Poor you s- kid crying right now doesn't know some disc jockey has his bike. Right. I'm calling you a disc jockey. We're all disc jockeys in my mind. Yeah, that is offensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's the. Like Fredo is the Italian N word, disc jockey is the our industry's N word. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's like the worst thing you can ever say. It's the radio industry's N word, disc jockey. Mm, mm. Um, <laughs> I, I hate to even hear the term. There is pos- positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing all right, but not as uh, as, as well as I should because I, I I had a little tri tip uh, mistake earlier this week. I I, I grilled up tri tip several days ago, but I over it wasn't a ton, but I slightly overcooked it a little bit, and they. The initial eating wasn't that bad because you can just kind of go to the middle of the tri-tip where it's a little thicker and it's fine. But where I'm really noticing is it because when you reheat it, you're still cooking it a little bit more each time you reheat it. Sure. Oh, yeah. And so now it's uh, I essentially got tri-tip jerky for the last bits of the, the tri-tip, and <laughs> it was not it was not good. So I like to start fairly raw with uh, with my steaks in the beginning because I know I'm going to reheat them for a, a couple of times. And that's normally what I do. And I took it off, uh, and I just happened to take it off too early this time. I cut into it, and I was like, oh well, that's that's no good. And so then I tried. I had to turn the grill back on and put it back and so i had it it was just a disaster all the way around and i really disappointed in my in my uh my grilling misstep there i i, I gotta i gotta pledge to do better next time you can always cook it more yeah by the way did you see they did a poll of two thousand people in the radio industry that are on the air really as to why they're on the air or what they like about it really yeah, i didn't see that it's pretty interesting i'll hit you with the results speaking and of free uh, t-shirts speaking of being <laughs> yeah, disc right. jockeys a, some some of the reasons are, are are practically like that. An affinity for bumper sticker stops. <laughs> there is Marshall Phillips, who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? I'm doing all right. I'm in the process of radical downsizing. So yesterday I called a local charity because I wanted to give them some of my used furniture. You talking about for you or your footprint on Earth? Are you trying to make yourself smaller? I'm just trying to move product. I'm you trying know? to make my that's my radical downsizing. I'm trying to make myself physically I smaller. See. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just I'm just getting getting stuff out of the house. So anyway, I call up a local charity. Will you come out and pick it up? Well, they're getting very picky. You have a couch and a cabinet. Are they in good shape? Is the couch ripped? 
uh, are you vouch for all this? Well, uh, we'll be out, uh, they give you a date, between noon and 5. But remember, we can refuse it if it's badly damaged. So they are now getting really quite, you know, asking a lot of questions about what you want to give away to charity. I've had that problem before, too. Yeah, and I I got to tell you, getting rid of furniture, even the stuff you think is worth something, oh, ain't please. easy. They don't yeah. want it. No, nah, it ain't yeah. worth much, I'm finding out. so Furniture from now, depreciates amazingly fast. Yeah, from now on, it's a futon, a bing, beanbag chair, a TV, and a laptop, and that's it. I'm paring down. There's no inflatable. Yeah. I know the hardest thing to get rid of, because Joe and I each had one once. Hold on a second, I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Abramo. Abramo. <laughs> We endorsed Nordic Track one time, the uh, Swedish exercise <laughs> yes. machine. Oh, yeah, it's, it's slimming yes. and trimming and calorie burning. Oh, Jeez, this was fabulous. 20, one today. This was 24 years ago. Was that Something the one that mimics cross-country skiing? Yeah, it's cross-country yeah. skiing. Yeah, right. anyway. that's, that's why we're on the air for free Nordic Tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and they gave us the nicest one they make, the oh, one that's yeah. made out of dark stained wood. I mean, this was a beautiful piece of equipment. Oh, yes. yes. Which I used for a total of three minutes. <laughs> and then um, after... after uh, when I was going to move, so I'd had it for like a year, I found out you literally can't give those things away. Nope. You literally can't give them away. You can li- you can list it. I think I listed it because it was like a $1,200 machine or something. Mm-hmm. Right. I listed it first for like a couple hundred dollars, no takers. Then I was listing it for free, no takers. Then I started to go to like Goodwills and places like that. And they get, look over there. They got like 50 in the back. You yeah. think I need another Nordic track? We use them for firewood, idiot. Now get out. Oh, man. I eventually drove to a Goodwill, went behind it, and left it behind their back door and drove yes. off. Oh, that's ethical. I had to go. abandon it. <laughs> you can't give them away. Nordic Track is not going to pay us now to uh, endorse their product. I'm afraid you've further offended the Danes <laughs> with that little uh, that little scream. Scream with you bastards! Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Looking for a special gift for that fag in your life? Whoa, 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 whoa. Get that friend of Armstrong and Getty some A&G merch. Oh. New for 19, our latest A&G logo tees, hoodies, and more. The Punch Violence in the Face t-shirt or the Castigat Redendo Mores tee is available. The Yo, Yo, Yo and the updated Stupid Should Hurt tee. The new Cal Unicornia state flag tee. We even brought back our classic A&G ketchup and mustard logo. Buy them now at the Armstrong and Getty Superstore. Find it at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Listen, I will uh, gladly, with with enthusiasm, follow up on our previous discussion about the helmetization of America and particularly our children. There are a number of factors at work, and I, you know, I would gladly sit down today and start writing the book. I would have so much enthusiasm for this topic. But number one, there are already too many books. And and number two... That's why you burn them in big piles. Number two... (laughs) At night. That's right. And and number two, I'm a man who craves leisure. And that sounds like a lot of work. That's funny. So, I don't know. It's up to you. Do you want to move on or what? I'd, I'd be happy to talk about it. The Jack talking about the thousand rules at the pool. And, and they're so picky. And very few of them are, have any significant safety concern. Oh, I mean, no. God, just, no. A God, no. A, a five-year-old jumps off the side of the pool and kind of, sort of twists in the air. And they get whistled for that. And, right. All and the... the all the, if you're older and you haven't been to a community pool, all the normal things you did at a pool when you were a kid, I mean older by like over 30, 
<laughs> All the normal things you did at the community pool, you can't do anymore. Right. They're too dangerous. Right. Driven by lawyers, driven by this weird obsession with with safety at all times that I, I have fallen prey to myself. If I was starting over as a parent, I would do a number of things differently. I got sucked in. I didn't know. I didn't have kids before. Right. I got sucked into the whole world at the baby store of all this safety stuff that I just don't think is necessary. And I think is part of making our kids insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a two-sided coin of nasty, of evil, in that we never... I mean, we we convince them that there is danger everywhere always, which will stress someone. And number two, we don't let them explore and try and get a little scared and learn how to deal with it and understand, oh, this actually is something I don't want any part of. I'm backing off. That's such an important life skill. One of the most persuasive things I've read in recent years, it was talking about the whole free-range parenting thing, of which I'm a huge advocate, that said... Every child needs to get lost twice and find their way back before they have the life skill of staying cool, dealing with the unfamiliar, and thinking, okay, I can handle this. And most parents are utterly terrified of the idea of their kid ending up on a street and realizing, okay, I'm not sure how to get home from here. It's an incredibly important life skill. I think it fits in. We actually talked about this on the One More Thing podcast, if you ever listen to those. Because I stole, I told the story yesterday, including f bombs. <laughs> does sound entertaining. Of being at the swimming pool and how the lifeguard whistled my kid for uh, something stupid, and, and, and I lost my temper a little bit with the uh, the lifeguard who was just doing their job. But um, all this stuff started happening at the same time. Now you can't deny that we have unprecedented levels of anxiety among children. There's no denying that. There's plenty of proof of that, oh my including gosh. just yeah. your own life in that everybody you know has like one or more kids that are dealing with anxiety problems. Yes. Where did that come from? Um, and, and in Europe, at least, they, they, they started ahead of us, and they're ahead of the curve on they're now starting to take out the super safe playgrounds and replace them with some of the old dangerous stuff, like monkey bars and teeter-totters, because they realize it's doing more harm than, than good. But all this stuff happened at the same time. I'm not making the argument that we need to throw all of it out, but it all happened together. So, mandatory helmets on bicycles, and seat belts, and the little plastic things that you put in the plug on the wall... All happened around the same time that we started not letting you do a cannonball at the pool or run on the grass. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us, if you're over a certain age, you didn't grow up with any of that. Never wore a helmet, never wore a seatbelt, never had a plastic thing protecting me from the outlet, never told I was could do, I could do anything at the pool that I wanted to do. I mean, so we went from all of those things I just mentioned to none of those things in a pretty short span. And I think the the, the result is... We've convinced children that the world is so scary they should spend their whole lives nervous. Right, right. That's part of it. Oh, and and I I skipped over my point. So you said uh, kids need to get lost so they can deal with it. I think, because I I see this with my kids and other people's kids, somehow we've convinced them, it's the parents' fault, my fault, not their fault, it's the parents' fault, we've convinced them that getting hurt at all is is just a disaster. Right. (laughs) So if you get hurt, oh my God, I've gotten hurt, you warned me about this, corners of the table, Doing a twist at the pool, not wearing a helmet. I've heard about this getting hurt. This must be what it feels like. Oh, my God, I'm going to die. Right. When, you know, children used to get hurt on a daily basis and you realized it wasn't that big a deal. It would go away after a while. Clean it off. Go back to playing. Uh, So, yeah, there there are a lot of things at work. The liability thing is enormous. In in Europe's different tort laws, I think, are a factor in the fact that they can even do it. 
I, I read some great stuff on with the decline of religion in America. People are now searching for some sort of redemption on Earth and or eternal life on Earth. They want to be immortal because they don't believe in life after death anymore. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's a little eggheaded a notion, but you do see signs of it. One thing that nobody wants to talk about, uh, and we will hear because I don't give a damn, and it's not a question of whether it's good or bad. I'm looking at this more as a like a anthropologist would than somebody advocating one thing or another. The reason things like or, or more socialist policies work in your Scandinavian countries is that's like one race. They have been historically one race, one religion, one point of view. There's like three different last names. Everybody knows everybody. It's a smaller place and they have shared common values. And so everybody knows what their responsibilities are and how they're supposed to act. It's like, you know, uh, Sebastian Younger and Tribe talks about how in, you know, like Indian tribes, it was share and share alike. Everybody pitched in and everybody uh, got enough food and blah, blah, blah. But if you didn't contribute, you were put to death. There was no laziness. There was no slacking. There was no being on Indian welfare. If you weren't contributing, you were either shoved out to starve to death or they would just put a spear in your belly. You were killed. That's how socialism can work if everybody agrees on what everybody's responsibility is and everybody pressures everybody to do it, which would never happen in the United States. But so back to the the zillion rules at the school or at the pool or at schools or whatever. Back when the country was overwhelmingly, um, and people like to talk about the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant thing, but when overwhelmingly people were Christian, the Bible believed in Western civilization, believed in the Constitution, and and had a fairly common view of life. There was no need for a thousand rules because there were a thousand unspoken rules. We had a culture that made clear to you what your expectations were. There was no law against, or there needn't be a law against dropping an F-bomb in front of children at a McDonald's. There's no need for that law because if you did it, ten different dads would get in your face. Say, hey, what are you doing? There are women and children here. But as our society has, why don't we say, become more diverse? In terms of nationality, religion, culture, tradition, etc., we don't have those shared agreements anymore. So you've got to codify all of it. You've got to have a list of a thousand and six rules. You know, societies that are fighting for their lives don't worship safety. That's an absurdity because there isn't enough of it. So you worship toughness and self-reliance and cleverness and the rest of it. Um, so you combine all those things together. That's my book, in short. Don't bother reading it. It's overly long. But that, that's the argument I'm making my book. We have really three or four different factors that have led us to this terrified, cowardly, veal calf society that we have now. I was just thinking about my average... Let your kid out of his cage, by the way. That's my advice to you. I was just thinking about my average summer day when I was my uh, son's age and around nine years old. This I was, was in 1870? <laughs> I, I would have done... Geez, I don't know, 25 dangerous things that he's not going to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like dangerous, sneak your dad's forty-five out of the gun safe and shoot at your friends. Like ride your bike fast and, and go off a dirt jump. And like I said, I'm not advocating doing away with all this stuff, but I would have been riding my bike without a helmet. 
We would have been uh, we would have been at the we we might have gone to the community pool and done all kinds of crazy dangerous things like cannonballs or uh, or or worn our goggles when we jumped off the diving board or no, any no. of the other stupid rules that they yeah, had. You'd put out your eye or stuff that I can control, like just playing on your own and running around the countryside. And my parents didn't know where we were. Right, you just had to be back at noon or whatever and <laughs> time for dinner. Um, Swinging on a rope clear across a barn from one giant stack of hay bales to another stack of hay bales. I could do that with my kids, but we don't. So I'm, I've am i fallen prey to this myself. Um, I'm, I'm part of the society that does this. County will just, come and take them away. Yeah, they might. It's, 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 it's something, though. It, huh. it really worries me because it, I mean, mean, like, deeply bothers me the idea of giving a kid lifelong anxiety problems. Because they're told at the pool or at home or wherever that life is so scary. It's nuts. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Luckily, my kids are mostly learning, at least at the pool, that life is full of stupid rules that you uh, that you should ignore if you can. Yeah. Um. And, and not that it's dangerous. Yeah. God dang it. Why are we doing this to ourselves? Well, we just explained. I, I think part of it is, listen, if you are, if you got a band of apes there in the jungle and the fruit just falls from the trees, the apes aren't any good at gathering fruit. They don't need to be. It's just uh, we've created this incredibly safe, uh, affluent, litigious environment so people are no good at, at finding their own way but got so you know, many different places lawyers do drive a lot of it but the the getting hurt somebody just texted about the getting hurt is a disaster for kids yeah well at schools they treat any injury like it's a disaster right i mean if somebody gets cut and they're bleeding it's a whoop 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 alert whoop whoop somebody got a scratch whoop whoop yeah. because somebody might get sued i think that's what drives most of it wow so everybody all the kids get their idea it's a very very big deal if you get a little cut on yourself on the playground, it's a huge deal. And whatever, however that kid got cut, that no kid can ever do that again. Do not right. play on that again in that way because somebody got cut. Right. Right. That's, God, that's so crazy. It is. It's making everybody crazy. Wow. Parents and children. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is best of Armstrong and Getty. One of our beloved listeners uh, dropped us a, a mailbag, mail, and it's a mailbag, uh, dropped us an email, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com, in which they expressed that, um, you know, one grain of hope from all this is that uh, people will understand how insidious and crappy the 24 hour news cycle is and, and start to reject it. And listen, this ain't bragging. I don't know. Maybe I'm just easily led or follow easily or something. But generally speaking, if if the two of us are getting really sick of something and starting to understand that, you know, this is toxic. I thought it was fun, but it's not anymore. A lot of other people are feeling that way, too. And if people gain perspective that constantly bathing themselves in the worst misery, child stabbed to death in rural Montana, gang rape in, you know, northern Virginia. And everybody has to take on all that stuff all the time. Uh, you know, I think people are finally realizing that that's just a terribly unhealthy way to live. Um, anyway, on a completely different topic, uh, over in Japan, they're, they're making human animal hybrids and, uh, doing it with the approval of the government. And here's the difference. Here is the difference. They're going to allow them to come to term. They're going to let the human animal baby be born. And it's, um, well, it's chilling stuff, and we're all at risk. 
they're trying to grow. Uh, well, they're trying to grow pancreases in mice and rats. If you've ever wanted a tiny pancreas, Japan's going to have one for you. Well, what's the concern with this, though? Where, where does it go off the rails? Well, some t- the, one of the concerns is that the human cells might not restrict themselves to the pancreas and that there will be human DNA that somehow reaches the brain through processes, which I do not understand. I was more a words guy than a science guy. It's so like Jurassic Park. Nature finds a way. Mm, you, can't, you can't control it. So right. you end up with, like, talking mice that are on Facebook or what? Uh, probably so, and demanding the vote. Mm. Uh, Listen, we have to recognize there are 10 to 12 million mice in this country. We need to give them the vote. Human mice. Well, I appreciate, though, that Japan, as a normal country, is doing this uh, with everybody's knowledge, as opposed to China and North Korea and Russia, which I'm sure are far along in doing this and keeping it underground. Yeah. And yeah. don't care what the uh, what the ethics of the world community are. I think it's pretty safe to say if Japan is doing something openly, your horrendous regimes are probably years ahead of them and doing it secretly. Particularly China, with right. you know they're one of the biggest economies in the world. They got lots of money to spend. And they don't give a damn about the sanctity of human life or anything ridiculous like that. No, Communists no. generally don't. No, that 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 that's the difference between Japan and the United States and all European countries and China. If they had to have a hundred people die to try to produce some sort of technological breakthrough, a hundred, a thousand, they wouldn't care at all. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we talked about this a little in our award-winning podcast, One More Thing, which you can get. It's like an extra segment of the show, only for podcast listeners, and it's available wherever and podcasts are given away. handsomely. <laughs> Glad somebody's making money off that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we talked about this, and, and I pitched my idea for a great horror movie. And I'm, I ought to get to work writing a script, um, and it would have to do with pigs, because... Talking mice, who cares? But so they worked with pigs because pigs are genetically, I guess, fairly similar to humans. And as I understand it, we don't reject stuff grown in pigs as readily. You know, the organ rejection thing when you get a transplant. Um, and because so it's delicious or what? Well, maybe that's part of it. You know, your, your body's thinking, you know, that new pancreas of mine, it's clearly not human, but it is delicious. Uh, so anyway, human-animal hybrids, it's terrifying. There's a history of stories going back. You know, your island, the Dr. Moreau, your The Fly. Any other good ones I'm, I'm forgetting? Well, oh, my God, the, the wolf man, the werewolf, right? Huh. It's a kind of a human-animal hybrid thing. Um, in, in my movie, the, the pigs, you know, some, uh, and, and positive, Sean, you can tell me what trope to use in the movie, but if nature finds a way, the human DNA gets into the pig brain. And the pigs are exhibiting more and more human, uh, you know, behaviors. And the scientists become more troubled. And the, But the meat industry demands they shut up. And, and, and there are high-level meetings and marches in the streets. And, and finally, they decide they have to slaughter the humanimal. That's the new term, humanimal. The human pig. And they go to the pig's pen thinking, well, we'll get a couple of hams out of it, if nothing else. And the pig looks at the person with the with the hatchet and says, how, how would a pig's voice sound? Do you think it'd be squealy or more grunty? Killing grunty. Pig. You're slaughtering pigs with a hatchet in this scenario? <laughs> well, that's the old-timey way, isn't <laughs> what it? What year is this? Okay. Barbaric! Oh, all right, I don't know. What do they throw a grenade it's at It's for them? the visual effect of the movie. So, Jack, get out of the way. Let, let, let's <laughs> let the creative brainstorm. <laughs> yeah, really, don't, don't trample on my genius. Uh, so they go up to him with whatever device they use to dispatch 
pigs these days. Although it's not like an assembly line because there are only a couple of these okay. uh, human pigs. Um, and so they go up to him, maybe get a, got a shotgun or something. And uh, sorry about this, Jim, he'll say. And the pig will look up. And it's I'm thinking a grunty voice say, don't kill me. <laughs> and all the, ah, yeah, yeah. everybody in the audience at the movie is going to freak out, probably wet their pants. And the guy's going to back off with the shotgun. They go, oh, my God. That might even be the last scene of the movie. Sure. How's that for dropping a mic? I want <laughs> to live. Squeal. Yo! Squeal. Oh, wee! Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. Wee! Want to live. That's what he'd say. <laughs> That'd be the T-shirt, too. And Of course, I'd have to market it with some sort of fake controversy that PETA's coming out in favor of it or against it or something like I that. I built my house of straw. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can get the rights to that. Hey, shoot, shoot that pig. He's stupid. You can put lipstick on a pig. It's still a pig. But I tell you what, when this actually happens, it's going to be troubling stuff. I mean, there are going to be some decisions to be made. If it's mostly human with just a little pork, then is it fully human? Well, yeah. Is it? Mostly human? What if it got a snout like a pig? I've well, known he's a, got a corkscrew tail. I've known a few. What then? This is a real ethical dilemma. <laughs> what if it's a pig, but with like vastly higher intelligence than, yeah. than a regular pig, and you realize, oh, this is more like, well, pigs are supposed to be pretty smart, aren't they? Yeah, yeah and it, we, what, treat, we treat monkeys the way we treat them. What if it's a pig that could beat the average person at chess? <laughs> <laughs> it could probably beat me at chess. Pushing around the pieces with its hooves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's well, possible? See that unlikely. Well, they get like knocked they my pawn little, over. They got. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have hooves. I'm sorry, I have hooves. Wow. <laughs> say to its keeper. Armstrong and Getty.